0: Thanks for checking out the PowerPlace audio podcast. The PowerPlace exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily to empower you with His Spirit and His Word so that you can engage your world. Here at the PowerPlace, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. And our prayer is that as you listen, the absolute truth of God's Word would bring complete freedom to every area of your life. Amen. So good to be in God's house today. A few weeks ago at the Grammys, uh, Sam Smith and Kim Petras sang a song. Anybody know what the name of that was? Unholy. Unholy. The devil got his five minutes of fame. And the demonic was glorified. And three days later, Three days later. Something significant about three days. Revival broke out at Asbury College. Three days later. And in the chapel above the pipe organ... There's an inscription that says holy unto the Lord. God will not be outdone. He will not be mocked. He will not be pushed to the side. And he shows up where anyone is hungry. Just a little jealous that that started on a Methodist campus. (laughs) But it's spread. I hear it's even happening at UVF. God's working. God's moving. And you might as well get involved. You might as well come and prostrate yourself before him. Because someday you're going to do that forcibly. The Bible says every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we get to choose to do that now. So on that day, it'll just be natural, normal. This is what we've done for years. Hallelujah. Oh, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. The older I get, the earlier it gets late. (laughs) 6.30, it's like, Is it bedtime yet? I don't know. It's dark outside. I'm feeling. I don't know about you, but I actually remember being able to get up without making sound effects. I mean, when when you do squats, are you are your knees supposed to sound like a goat chewing on an aluminum can stuffed with celery? Is this real life? I attempted to put together a bunk bed yesterday by myself. Praise God, Allie was there. She helped. Christy even helped a little bit. But there were times when I couldn't get off the floor. <laughs> and when I did, it was like fireworks were going off. Like, what is this? Ah, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad to be alive in his presence today. Remember, if you lose a sock in the dryer, it comes back as a Tupperware lid that doesn't fit any of your containers. So be careful with that dryer thing. Today is Pastor Isaiah's birthday. He's 36 years old. Yeah. Give me a camera to look at. We're going to say happy birthday to him. Where are we at? Over here? Over here. Everybody look that way. Say, happy birthday, Pastor Isaiah. We love you, and we miss you today. Core value of the week, unity. A house divided against itself cannot stand, and we choose to lean into intentional conversations, conversations, Because hard conversations lead to health. At least they can. They should. Some of you probably need to have some hard conversations with your kids, with your family. You need to talk it out, you need to push them to health. Mark chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, when his family heard about this, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind! Jesus, the Savior of the world, God incarnate. He's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebul. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. It's what has been called the unpardonable sin. I've had people come to me and say, I I feel like, I, I really feel convicted that I've committed the unpardonable sin. And if you feel that, you haven't. Now, you may have committed a sin, but the only unpardonable sin is rejecting Jesus. And that's what they were doing. They were rejecting Jesus. They were saying he has an evil spirit. I caution those of you who are from a, a religious background that, that labeled the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, they labeled that as demonic. It's a very dangerous thing. It, notice what the next verse says. And he said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Be careful what camp you fall in because Jesus himself, Jesus himself said, don't talk about the Holy Spirit like that. That's my spirit. It's the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's number one job is to draw people to Jesus. Jesus. If you reject the Holy Spirit, you reject Jesus and that's unpardonable. You can't get into heaven and not love Jesus, not be one of his children. You just can't. So that's the unpardonable sin. That's the sin that will never be forgiven. So if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's your day. We're going to pray at the end of this service and God's going to bring you into his family Amen. Amen. Verse 31, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. The crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here, here are my mother and my brothers. And then he defines it. Whoever, whoever what? Does. does. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Huh. Whoever does God's will. Whoever is obedient, because obedience is the key to life. It's not whoever has good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I was really going to, I felt good about it. It's not paved, it's, it's, it's not if whoever has the right words or the right thoughts, but whoever does, God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Obedience is the key to life. So we live by the nudge of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word. And as he leads, we follow. I don't know if you know this or not, but obedience is a big deal to God. And it's a big deal in life, period. Jesus said in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who... God. Oh, there's that stupid word again. <laughs> that, ah, you may gotta, I actually have to do something. Whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And again, he clarifies. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That's that's good. And And in your name drive out demons? That's good and in your name perform many miracles, that's good. But then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil... Evil what? Away from me, you evil doers. Somehow there's a disconnect in our lives between what we believe, think, talk about, and what we actually do. And Jesus is all about the doing. The Heavenly Father is all about the doing. First, we become, and then we do. It's, It's a natural progression. Then he says in verse 24, therefore, and you know what the word therefore is. It's a transition word. It takes that thought, Apart from me, you evildoers, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What's the rock? Those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice. Obedience. You hear the word and you do what it says. It's obedience. Obedience is the key to life. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. (laughs) We say it a lot around here because it's one of our core values. Then he goes on in verse 26 and he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rain came down, streams rose, winds blew, beat against that house, same, same stuff. And it fell with a great crash. Man. Obedience to the words of Jesus is building your life on the rock. Matthew 21, verse 42 says, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this. It's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone, if you'll fall on Jesus, the cornerstone, you'll be broken to pieces and he'll put you back together. But anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. You don't want to be crushed. You want to be broken in pieces at his feet and let him put you back together better than you were before. You will have storms. Look at your neighbor, tell him that. You will have storms. Storms are a guarantee in life. Everyone has storms. It's not if you're going to have a storm, but it's when are you going to have your storm. Because storms come to every house, so you've got to build your house with the storm in mind. Because storms are coming. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but springtime's coming. And with spring comes the storms. So you've got to build with the storm in mind. and, And remember, you have to live in what you build. So build carefully. How do you build with the storm in mind? You do it by obedience, because that's the key to life. Obedience brings blessings that you can't get any other way. Someone has said that 80% of people who need counseling need it because they won't obey what they already know to do. So they just want to sit and talk about their stuff and have you agree with them because if you tell them the truth, they won't do that. They'll go to another counselor. See, itching ears, it's a big deal. Well, I want to feel good. I want to, I want to be good. So I want to stay where I'm at, but I don't want to change. So just tell me what, what I want to hear. Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody in here, of course. <laughs> We're talking to the online crowd, Okay. <laughs> It's, it's, it's kind of like cooking. If you follow the recipe, you'll get good results. If you'll follow the instructions, you'll get the right results. My mom used to say, anybody can cook if they've got the right recipe. Just follow the instructions. Follow the recipe. So the other day I I said, I want some mac and cheese. Christy said, it's out in the garage, it's in those little blue cups. <laughs> I said, good. But I got it. She said, now, now. She said, don't follow the instructions. She said, don't fill it all the way up with the water to the line. So like a good husband, I obeyed. Kept it short of the line. She said, cook it for three minutes. No, you didn't say that. The thing said cook it for three minutes. Three and a half. You said three. It said three and a half on the instructions. So partly I followed the instructions. Partly I followed Christy. Not a good plan. It came out, I put the the. Mac stuffed the cheese in there and squirreled it all up and it was so hard and crunchy. It was awful. See, that's the thing. The maker of an item knows exactly how it should function. we, We can throw it all out, say, I know better. It's like Taking your hair dryer into the shower with you. I think I'll save some time, dry my hair while I'm showering. And you'll end up either dead or in the hospital. It's that crazy white tag that's on every hair dryer do not take this off. And it's got that, that shower with a circle and a don't do that. Don't get in the bathtub with this plugged in. You will regret it. This isn't rocket science. So many of us throw out the recipe and do our own thing with disastrous results. And that's why daily encounters with the Lord really matter. People come to me for counseling, I say, Have you been in the Word? Well, no, I, I, I don't do that. I, I don't want to talk to you. Sorry, I ain't got no time. Get in the Word, get in His presence. You then come and tell me what He said and do that. You don't need to hear from me, you need to follow the instructions of His Word. you will have storms and storms that hit your home, storms that hit your marriage, they simply open up areas that have been vulnerable for a while. Most storms don't cause the problems, they reveal the problems. So what are you doing to guard and protect the most vulnerable areas in your marriage, in your family, in your home? I would say invest heavily in obeying the Lord in every area of your life, and that will produce fruit in your marriage. That will produce fruit in your family. That will produce fruit in your life. Because daily encounters with the Lord is the first step. Get in His Word, get in His presence, and then talk through some things in your house. Pray together. Is it possible? Yes, it is. Pray together. Work through the issues. Communicate one with another. Don't just expect her to read your mind. Don't expect him to read your mind, Christy. (laughs) Yeah, but I thought you knew. No, I didn't know. I'm stupid. I'm a man. I, I just... I didn't get it. I'm clueless that way sometimes. So talk to me. Let's talk about things. Let's communicate. And there may come times when you need to fast and pray. And just simply obey what God's saying. God didn't ask us to always understand. He just asked us to obey. Because I don't understand everything he asked me to do, but... I know that obedience is the key, and He knows that our obedience is the key to opening up everything else He has for us. I, I didn't need my kids to understand why I asked them to obey me in the Walmart parking lot when they were little toddlers. Not just run freely into the traffic, and I just needed them to obey. I didn't need them to understand. I needed them to obey for their good. There was a lot of life ahead for them if they would just listen and obey. There were rewards coming. I didn't need to dangle in front of them. Oh, if you'll just obey me here, here, here. I just needed them to obey so they could move into a realm of living they had no idea was coming. Someone has said living by faith is a lot like driving at night with the lights on. You can't see very far down the road, but you can make the whole trip that way. You don't need to know every detail. You just need to trust and obey. There's an old song. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way If we'll do his good will he abides with us still And for all who will trust and obey Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I don't know if I got those words right. I can't trust my mind sometimes anymore. I just <laughs> sing it as it comes. and Listen. If your kids are on social media, get them off. It's ruining them. It's causing anxiety and depression and even suicide. They're doing study after study after study, and this is the cause, one of the root causes of of many of these issues, being on social media that comparison, that just every piece of trash that comes your way and you can't filter it out. Social media is training your kids to hate you. Did you know that? It's training them not to trust you, not to listen to you, to hate the God you love and disobey him. If I were raising children in this day and age, I wouldn't allow them to ruin their lives in this realm. Just wouldn't. It's it's called tough love. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Maybe you need to buy that book. James Dobson wrote it many years ago, tough love. It's not giving your children everything they want, but everything they need. Nowadays, you can't just sit your child down in front of the television and say, it's okay. It's a cartoon. Really. It's Disney. You can't trust Disney. I read the other day, one of the the creators of uh, the Lightyear movie and, and all the Pixar stuff, uh, they said, we're, we're putting in as much gender ideologies we can. not They're trying to slip it in so you don't notice. Now they couldn't figure out why Lightyear didn't really make it at the box office. Don't push your stuff on us. We're not, we're not going to stand for it. And I'm not about boycotting. I'm, I'm just about turning things off. Don't need to put that in our system. Don't need that in our children. Your children need you to be their guard and protector. I remember when Caillou was a big deal. Anybody remember? I don't know if he's still around. Is he? Did he die off? The boy had an attitude. I'm like, dude, not in my house. I don't want that spirit in here. I remember just a few years back uh, I was watching Anchor uh, and he was watching one of the shows he always watches and I couldn't figure out why he always said a certain thing and I recognize that's what that kid on TV says all the time. He's just repeating. Repeating what he hears. He doesn't mean it. doesn't know anything about it. He's just repeating what he hears on a constant basis. So I'm just saying You've got children, be their guardian. Be their parent. You don't have to be their friend. Show some tough love. Do what is necessary to raise the next generation as a kingdom warrior. Amen. (laughs) Tough love. Discipline. It's, It's for your good. It's for their good. Hebrews twelve eleven says, "No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. You might have a little bit of that pain. If you didn't, you probably need it now. Seriously, if your parents didn't raise you right, then you need some discipline in your life now. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful." Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I don't know if you've ever been in training, but it's called consistency. It's not a little slap on the wrist every once in a while, it's a consistent, we don't do that here. This is not permitted, this is not permissible. And so you deal with stuff. You discipline for their good so that they can be trained by it. Because later on, now for the moment it's like, ah, again we have to deal with this again and again and again. But later on, if you'll stay consistent, it will produce righteousness and peace. Proverbs five twenty three. For lack of discipline, they will die. Led astray by their own great folly. Proverbs nineteen eighteen. Discipline your children while there is hope. Experts tell us we have about five years. First five years is where you mold and shape, pour into them everything they're going to be. Everything after that is just kind of chiseling away at the stuff you didn't quite get right. You got to do it quick. As a parent, you know when your child's being changed with a diaper. You know if they're pitching a fit or if they've got pain. Pitching a fit is not acceptable. I remember the first time I'm changing my child's diaper and he's throwing a fit. And I know it's a fit. And I went like this. Psh. And it went. And <laughs> <laughs> looked at me like, are you serious? You really did that? I'm like, dude, you're not pitching to fit. I'm not handling that. We're not putting up with that around here. So when does this start? You got to have discernment and wisdom and do it quick. Start from the very beginning. Okay. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. The Good News translation says, discipline your children while they're young enough to learn. If you don't, you are helping them destroy themselves. NIV says, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. It's much more cruel to allow a child to develop bad habit patterns that they're going to have to deal with later on in life than to deal with stuff while they're young and set them up for success. Amen. I think I'm going to preach today. And I may even meddle. If we don't get this, our children suffer. And we are a willing party to their death. Hear me, church. We've got a lot of young couples, a lot of young families, a lot of little kids running around here. We protect them with everything that we are. And we discipline them with everything we've got. We have to. It's for their good. And you'll be happier as well. Turn to your neighbor and say, do it. You'll be happy. Don't help them destroy themselves. Some of you have heard this story. I was I was golfing. I used to do that quite a bit. Now in my new life, I'm going to do it every day. I'm kidding. I won't. I I can't. I, I, I'm not even sure I know how to swing a club anymore. Help me, Tim. Help me. <laughs> I was golfing at the Pendel Golf Course. And I hit my my uh, tee shot and the, the, the terrain went uphill and then crested across the road and down to the green. Hit the shot, picked my bag up, started walking. Noticed an empty Coke can on the ground. Walked past it Felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit say, pick it up. I said, it's not mine. Kept walking. Got a few more yards and felt that nudge again. Pick it up. And I knew this this golf course was on the campus of uh, the Assemblies of God Conference Center. This is God's ground. I know. You don't walk past trash. Do you know that? Do you know that if there's a piece of trash on the ground in this house and you notice it, it's not for somebody else to get? Go ahead, pick it up. And I keep walking. And once again, he says, pick it up. Put my clubs down. Now I'm about halfway to the, I don't know how many, 400-yard hole or whatever. Turn around and start to walk back. And on the way back, the Spirit of God says to me, delayed obedience brings extra steps, extra cost, and extra pain. Wrote it down on the card. I still have the card. I kept it. Actually, Pastor Isaiah was golfing with us that day. He was just a child. He actually shot a 61 on those nine holes. <laughs> Tim, look, I got a 42. Come on, man. Jim, 42. 42 haven't seen that in a while. I I kept that in my Bible for years. Because there have been moments in my life where I have delayed my obedience. And delayed obedience is not just delayed obedience, it's disobedience. Until you make it right. But when you make it right... It's going to cost you. Some of us are living with the extra cost, the extra pain, the extra steps because we simply didn't obey immediately. Some of us are living with consequences, the cost, the pain, the extra steps of not obeying the Lord. Some of us not obeying his word. Some of us not obeying our parents. Disobedience and rebellion is costly. Tell your neighbor it's costly. You don't just walk away and Galatians says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There are consequences to the decisions we make. And I would love to spare you from consequences, consequences of bad decisions. We get a classic example in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I'll try to close with this. How long have I preached? I don't even know. It's late. It's like midnight. I don't know. <laughs> Is it time for bed yet? First <laughs> Samuel 15, Samuel said to Saul, I'm the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen. Tell somebody, Listen. Listen. Listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. God's got a really good memory. And he doesn't let anything go. Now go, attack the Amalekites and destroy, totally destroy all Go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. "Well, Well, God, why, why? You don't have to ask why. You don't have to understand. You just have to obey. That's why we say this. You can't understand God's ways at all times. But you do have to obey him. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telim, two hundred thousand foot soldiers, ten thousand from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek, set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites, so I can I don't destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. He took, he took. Huh? What? Whoa, he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. And all his people he totally destroyed with a sword, but Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. That's good, let's save it. That's good, let's save it. These, they were unwilling to destroy completely. It was a choice. It was a decision of their will. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Very next verse, verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. He has not obeyed me. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up, went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone out to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. And has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. Isn't it amazing how quickly things shift? When we disobey, all of a sudden we think we're the best thing going In fact, we need to set up a monument in my honor. That's a good idea. Because one act of disobedience will lead you down a pathway that you have no idea where it's headed. And he he thought, that's a great idea. So he built a statue to himself. Look at me. I took out the Amalekites. Almost. Huh. Let's worship me. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, <laughs> Huh? I hear something, Saul. What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? I distinctly remember the Lord saying, "Wipe them all out. Everything. Everyone." So Saul does what everyone does. Saul answered, "The soldiers You remember it said, Saul and the army. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why didn't you obey the Lord? Why don't you obey the Lord? Why don't you just obey Him? We could fix all our issues if we just obey the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Right. Right. The church would have so much money if God's people would just obey the Lord. We wouldn't have any marriage issues if we would just obey the Lord. We wouldn't have family we wouldn't have issues if we just obey the Lord. Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20, but I did. I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission, the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites, brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God of Gilgal. We had a good good reason why we did what we did. Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? And here's the line that everybody knows: to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. Another translation says witchcraft. Is it's worshiping the wrong thing, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because, verse twenty-three. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord. Because you've disobeyed, he's rejected you as king. Disobedience to the Lord is costly. I'm telling you, it's costly. And, and most of us can't pay the cost. We don't, we don't have the ability. Samuel said to Saul, I've sinned. I've violated the Lord's command of your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Probably right there is one of the most true statements he made. I was afraid what everybody else thought, so I didn't do what God said. Now I beg you, forgive my sin, come back with peace so that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Saul was never the same again. He lost his godly authority. He lost the throne. He lost a whole bunch of stuff. Proverbs four twenty three 23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. If I could do anything for you today, It would be to wake you up. Say it's time to build your life on the rock. Obedience to God's word. There's a solid rock of obedience to the Lord and his word that you can build on and when the storms come, because the storms will come, when the storms come, they will knock your house down. You will stand. You'll stand firm. Because that's the only thing that will stand when the storms of life beat and batter your life. So we've got to build with the storm in mind. Stand with me, please. close yourself in with God for a moment don't worry about who's on your right or left just just you and God you saying to us today we just want to obey you we want to do what you ask us to do we don't want to miss a thing Lord we we acknowledge our desperate need of you for without you we're nothing But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we want to stay smack dab in the center of your will. We don't want to be the ones that you say, depart from me, I don't know you, I never knew you. Even though you did some good things, you didn't obey what I asked you to do. So, Lord, I I pray a a spirit of obedience in this house. As we live in unity, as we do what you ask us to do, Lord, open areas right now in our lives. Areas where maybe we've built a monument to ourselves. Shine a spotlight on us, Lord. Help us to know where we're off so that we can get back on track in this age of grace. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for surrounding us with your presence. to every heart speak to every life in this room those watching online thanks for checking out the PowerPlace audio podcast if you want more resources for your walk with the Lord you can visit us online at www.thepowerplace.org you can check us out on YouTube and Facebook at the PowerPlace Church if you want to watch the service online and if you want to give you can text any amount to 84321 or visit the church website